everybody welcome to the 317th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage here just uh finished a few hour gaming session on witcher 3 the remake edition and uh enjoying nerding out to a story that i sort of remember but don't really remember since i'm old and forgetful and it's a uh, it's 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 a uh, a milestone podcast for uh, a few reasons. Obviously, it is our last podcast before uh, the Christmas holiday. Uh, also, I believe it's the first night of Hanukkah. So, happy Hanukkah to all who celebrate. And personally, this is the last podcast before I become a a father. So, um. Very exciting times happening right now in the Haas household, and it's also, you know, we're a week from Christmas. Uh, a lot going on right now. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm playing video games and looking for jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. saw. What what, do you, what are your plans for, for the holiday? I'm going down to my mom's. Um, spending seven whole days there. I'm looking forward to seeing my mom and. Uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, <laughs> my mom is the most person, most important person in my life. So spending, you know, a week with her is going to be good. But I'm sure whenever we do our next podcast, I'll be bitching and moaning about being in Medford too long. But yeah, it, 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 ain't, it ain't anything different. So, you know, just hanging out at the house at my mom's house and uh, chilling. I know you should probably have some way more uh exciting plans for uh christmas probably just changing some diapers and uh watching uh a lot of bowl games and uh basketball but that's that's on my is the due agenda. date christmas time or oh no olga's getting in, induced tomorrow the 19th oh shit oh yeah so <laughs> the 20th the 21st maybe the 22nd We'll we'll have uh, the newest member of the Holy Backboard uh, podcast uh, ready to give a lot of uh, spit takes. That, that did not know that. That's very exciting. Um, <laughs> fuck, have we been talking about last week? Where you haven't <laughs> told me that? <laughs> I thought I told you, bud. No. <laughs> well, now you know. Eh. But I, I mean... did get your panda that you sent, and it is already all set up in the nursery. And the baby's going to know the power of the panda bear. Yeah. Well, you and another very important person in my life happen to be having children in the, in like the, the winter 2022, 2023 era. So I was just like, all right, I'm actually responsible enough. And I care about you guys enough to purchase baby stuff. What baby stuff is there? I'm like, oh, well, they both look at my Instagram <laughs> Uh, you said there's gonna first of all some people just like let the package show up and it's like oh okay you know the person says thank you you're like okay something's coming to your house on wednesday i'm like oh cool not five minutes later it's a panda i'm like oh yeah wait way to uh really go 
I'm the limit of surprise there. Like I love the panda, but like there was I, I saw the package come like, yep, there's here's the panda. Like I was stoked, but I I was like wanting to like open it. And you're like, no, it's just a panda, bro. Like <laughs> you know, I gotta say, as somebody that posts about pandas quite frequently, extremely stuff, frequent. I mean, I think I post I actually posted a Saints clip of Taysom Hill throwing an absolute dot in a on Instagram today and someone was like this isn't panda content I was expecting I'm like all right <laughs> you you've made a brand for yourself now and when you deviate from the brand your audience uh, I, I know I, I'm like things. oh wow I just posted for you know they're beautiful animals that are very <clears throat> but no like I was like hmm I have definitely made this a brand uh thing of me so yeah but no like I was just like Oh no! Now I was gonna bitch about the quality of stuffed and uh, panda products in the uh, marketplace. They're not cute enough. They're definitely not cute enough. Like I sent you premium cuteness of panda. It was very cute, but I don't think it's cute. It doesn't. It's not a tier cuteness. I think it's S tier. You really? I I really do. I think I really re- do. <laughs> okay. Alyssa, it, I I showed Olga and she gave me a very cute response and she's usually just like. You no, know, pretty straight right. face. So. Well, apparently, I am my tier of uh, cuteness is just too high for the uh, panda pot products that I buy. People, people purchase me and give me panda shit, or not panda shit, but panda trinkets. Like uh, I saw one of my uh, family friends at the Midford Multicultural Fair. And she gave me a panda thing, so I guess I guess this is really just part of the individual brand. Yeah. (laughs) Before we hop into this Blazers basketball in the week that was and the week that will be, uh, since it is our last podcast before Christmas, I've saw I've seen one of those like lists uh, kind of populate out in social media, and I want to get your list. So I need you to give me your ideal. Holiday movie, holiday treat, and holiday drink. What would your what would your three be in those categories? I already forgot the second one because I was trying to think of the movie. Well, movie, food? movie, treat, drink. This is something that I've been craving recently. I'm going food first, but I want like peppermint, like a peppermint cheesecake. Sounds fucking awesome right now. Um. I I know what you're gonna say I'm not gonna take your movie. I, I fuck with Elf, Elf the most. I, I back when I was younger, we my brother and I would watch uh, Christmas movies and stuff. Like I felt like El- I enjoyed Elf the most when I was a kid. And then drink. Ugh. Does my stomach co- cooperate with me today? Because I, I, your, even... your stomach will co- you just pop in a couple of lactates and your stomach <laughs> is going to cooperate with you. I fuck with eggnog. It just doesn't fuck with me. I do like that you're having a child in the next few days. And we talked about pandas significantly more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What what are your, your, your three things? Movie. Anybody who knows me, Home Alone, that that's a given. Um, drink eggnog for sure. And probably next year when um, 
we're not having to watch the the alcohol as much because the pregnancy will be be over. Uh, we make a pretty mean eggnog white Russian. Uh, you essentially just substitute the heavy cream for eggnog, mix it with the vodka in the Kahlua, and it is uh, phenomenal. Uh, and treat. Um, it's a real that's that's a hard one. I have a really big sweet tooth, so any type of like Christmas cookies, like I love frosted sugar cookies. I love gingerbread men, gingerbread people. I mean, just the assortment. Get me all of the Christmas cookie, a Christmas cookie platter, and mm-hmm. I will just go to town. Homemade um, or the uh, store bought, or does it matter? Well, homemade, but if I can like. We have we live near a bakery. They didn't do it this year last year. The bakery sold cookies and like so that that to me that's that's their version of homemade. So yeah, for for sure, um, that that's definitely. <laughs> you want to talk basketball or should I talk about how pandas are cute? I mean, I think our audience might be uh, tuning us out at this point, so we better hop in to uh, this podcast. We didn't and- even talk about hip hop really, so this is this that there this is still like surprise conversational pieces 317 episodes in and we still find a way to uh bring joy and excitement and something new to the holy backboard but i digress the portland trailblazers went two and one on the week they are halfway through their six game road trip uh they kick things off on wednesday with a convincing 128 to 112 a victory in the Alamo city over the Spurs Uh, on Friday. They weren't able to uh, stop Luka Doncic or the Dallas Mavericks uh, as they kind of waved the white flag halfway through that third period, knowing they had a game the following night, they lost 130 to 110 in a game that really didn't even feel that close. It felt Uh, like a country ass whooping. It was uh, a, a Texas size ass whooping, a Texas size ass whooping that saw the Dallas Mavericks hit 18 threes shot 42% from the from downtown and they shot 56% from the field overall. So, uh, a horrendous night for from our Blazers, but they bounced back and took care of business with a brilliant third quarter blitz of the Houston Rockets, outlasting Houston 107 to 95, running their record to 17 and 13 on the year. They are now 6th in the Western Conference and they have 3 winnable games to close out this road trip before uh heading back home sage what is what's, what's the thing that stood out to you most this week um hmm. the thing that stood out to me the most was probably the ass whooping i know that there was great moments but like this was the, this is something that i'm not used to of waving the white flag in the third quarter when the when the lead was like at 20 points, like we took our starters out first before they took out Luca and Christian Wood and, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie. Quick take. Did you agree with that decision or not? Yeah. It it got to the point. It got to the point where it was just like, it's first of all, our guys play a lot of minutes and then the injury, the injury risk isn't worth it. Like if you were to play Damian Lillard, it's, it's like not even worth it. That actually showed growth in Chauncey Billups's coaching to like, be like, there's so many reasons why sitting Dame for the rest of the, the the game is a good move, and he actually did it, which is uh for you know how I feel about Chauncey Billups and his rotations and minutes played. Like it's kind of cool to see we didn't we didn't have it defensively. Let's 
pull the troops out, get get uh those young guys, those mo- very valuable, you know, rotation minutes. So I, I was a big fan of that. I mean, even though we lost, seeing that growth is huge because the way that Chauncey Billups, like we've been talking about Chauncey Billups, is like he'll play his guys. But because of the percentages that Dallas was shooting, it, it just wasn't it wasn't a good idea. So I'm glad Chauncey did that. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. There wasn't even a glimmer that the momentum was going to change. You, you couldn't say that, oh, once Luca goes to the bench, now you make your run because that's when Dallas made the run in the first half was with Luca on the bench. And Christian Wood kind of stepped up and really took over the game. Anytime you give up 32 points to a, a bench player, it's not going to be. He scored more uh, points than he did mid- played minutes. Yeah, it, it was it was a rough outing. I would say the thing that stood out to me uh, not just the result, but I, I I feel like Portland has a real problem defending superstars. And and I get that they are superstar for a reason and that's what they do. But I feel like superstars have almost like career nights against the Blazers. Like when you watch them play against the Bucks, we rarely beat the Bucks because we have we cannot decide what to do with Giannis. We have lost to the Dallas Mavericks now six straight times. We have no idea how to defend Luka Doncic or what to do. It felt like we would double him and you'd kick it out or we would just let him go. Like there wasn't a cohesive strategy to defend really a mediocre Dallas team, a team that is below them in, in the standings. But Portland just they can't figure it out. Maybe that's a product, a byproduct of Gary Payton, the second not being available uh, and you're able to do a little bit uh but that's just, it's kind of the same thing we've dealt with with Terry Stotts. And then who who was there, there's only two dudes that well three dudes that have crossed over from the Stotts era to the the to the Billups era of but like for whatever reason Bradley Beal or Luka Doncic just goes insane against us. Um I mean Christian Wood was just too much for us to handle offensively. It was kind of like we put Yusuf Nurkic out there and be like, hey, this guy moves like a wing. Have fun and try your best. I I really think if he didn't hit those two threes, he would have been able to be defended. But when he had to be respected for the volume of threes he made and I mean, who was we throwing Yusuf? So if he closed, Christian Wood was just going past him and there was no rim support. So it was easy dunks and layups. So I would say even like like not even close to star players can have go can go crazy if if certain things happen we don't really have that counter to it yeah and portland was not able to keep that game close on the offensive end they couldn't even made it like a you know wild west shootout like dame struggled anthony struggled like it wasn't like we had the a kick towards the end where we felt like okay last whoever has the ball last you know can, can win this game uh, no one from Portland really had it going. Uh, Dame was, you know, six of 14, but just three of eight from three Ant three of 10, one of six from three Jeremy Grant after scoring, I believe 37, the first game in Dallas was a relative non-factor seven points on two of nine shooting. I thought that was the area they, they needed to exploit was the size Dallas was playing without Maxi Kleber. They didn't really have uh, any interior presence in terms of shot blocking Portland should have, I think this is where the Blazers need to grow 
because they still, I think, struggle to get Jeremy Grant involved organically in the offense. Sure, you can give him the ball and he can maybe cross over and go in for a dunk or the catch and shoot three, but they need to find other sets to get him the ball because you're paying him like an all-star. He's performing at that level, but there are too many nights where I, I look at, I watch the game and I look at the box score and it validates what I'm seeing in that Jeremy Grant is a little bit of a non-factor when he needs to be that second guy. Like it just it has to happen. And I'm not blaming Jeremy Grant. I think the offense just needs to figure out a way to identify matchups because he should have ate against the Mavericks. He did the first time around, but Dwight Powell, Dorian Finney-Smith, Christian Wood, th- those guys don't defend players like Jeremy Grant. Like Jeremy should have feasted. Well, I think use of use should have as well. He did in the first quarter, but they went they zoned up on us. And I think that we got scared to dump it down low to Yusuf or Jeremy because we talked about it in regards to our own zone. But if you go middle and they don't stop you, it's it's easy to the basket. So Yusuf would just cut middle and he would go through everything and we just didn't pass it to him. I really thought that that was something that we should have taken advantage of. But I, I remember the uh, broadcasters for the Mavericks saying they need two of these guys to score. And Ant, Jeremy, and then Yusuf really didn't, wasn't that second guy. So I, I think in, in regards to good teams, two of the four guys that have any usage at all need to be have good games. But I, I, I felt like we just you didn't utilize obvious blatant mismatches and then we couldn't stop them. So them shooting at such a high clip and us not being able to maintain scoring every single time. Like I felt like if we took our time and exploited the zone, Jeremy and Yusuf would just be dominating. Cause even, even when they would pass it to, to Jeremy or Yusuf, once they've cut, they had an easy shot, but it was like defensive rotations or they miss bunnies. So it kind of ex- it exposed us because there's always been an issue with this team of not exploiting matchups, whether it was, you know, Kevin Porter or uh, Michael Porter Jr. or, uh, you know, Christian Wood. Like in those minutes when there's poor defenders that are just offensive weapons, you need to attack them and make them work because if they get in their zone, they can score 20 points in a quarter and we we don't have the firepower to handle that. I think the other thing that is a bit of a red flag that that I saw this week that could impact Portland down the stretch into the postseason if if they get uh, the wrong matchup is the the glass. Uh, Houston stayed in that game by dominating the offensive boards. Uh, They had 18 offensive rebounds. Uh, Portland, aside from Yusuf Nurkic and Josh Hart, is just a really poor rebounding team. Uh, Jeremy Grant is not known as a rebounder. Uh, Drew Eubanks is not a rebounder. So I think Eubanks is a good backup center, but you have to know where his 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 deficiencies lie. And he's he's not one to create offense for himself, and he's not one to really rebound the basketball. He's a good weak side shot blocker, and he can move pretty well. But Portland, and we all know their guards, Dame and Ant do not rebound the basketball. So... If I'm looking at Portland, I'm looking at an acquisition 
at the deadline, obviously somebody with size, but somebody with size that can rebound the ball because you can't rely on two out of your, what, 10 rotation players that actually get their nose in there and get the ball because you're going to just get killed on the glass. You're already, I think, an average defensive team, and I think that's being generous. So by giving teams additional opportunities, you're only you're only lowering that margin of error to get a stop on that end of the floor. And we all know the Blazers can score the ball at will on the other end, but it's what they do defensively and on that glass that is going to, that's going to be the factor I think is rebounding, whether they are able to win a playoff matchup or not. Um, And that was just a big worry because I just saw, you know, Sangoon was just crashing the glass. Like Eubanks could do nothing about it. And nobody else was really getting in there. Like Hart had 13 rebounds and that was kind of it. So that was something that is uh, pretty worrisome to me and that I'll I'll continue to monitor um, up until the trade deadline. So one second, I'm very curious about uh, Jeremy Grant and his rebounding numbers now. And to be fair, Jeremy Grant did not play in that Houston game. He was hurt, but in general, he's he's not a 2010 guy. He might get you oh, seven. No. So he the he had he averages seven rebound chances a game. I guess hmm, I felt like when we were at our peak earlier in the year, we were a fantastic rebounding team because we had three guys that were willing to get their nose in dirty to get those rebounds but as as, maybe it's because we put so much pressure on jeremy grant to be that guy offensively and defensively that his rebounding is going down but yeah that is a definite worry for us so there's there was a rumor that we were interested in nerland's noel i believe by the athletic said that we were one of the teams interested in nerland's services would you be into that or do you think that the archetype of the 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 guy with size that can rebound, it, it's not ex- exactly what Nerlens is. Yeah, I think Nerlens' contract also makes it tough. Oh, that is totally prohibitive. Yeah, uh, because you have to, we we just don't have many tradable assets, t- tradable assets, right? And so you kind of have to ride or die with, with what you have, and that's kind of what we've been discussing since the, the opening season is the only way for the Blazers to get better is internal development. Um, New Orleans is a guy, if you want to pick, Detroit's going to buy him out sooner or later. I, I don't know how many teams are going to pay a $10 million contract to get New Orleans Noel back. Uh, I feel like he is what Ennis Freedom was in 2019, playing on a bad team, going to get bought out. Somebody will pick him up on the market on the buyout market. Sure. If you want to pick them out on the buyout market where you don't have to give up anything. Absolutely. But, you know, honestly, if you could merge like Drew Eubanks and Ennis together as one player, that's the ideal backup center. Someone can just gobble the fuck out of the rebounds, save so many possessions on the offensive end of the floor, but also mobile enough to hold their own on the perimeter, do some weak side shot blocking. Uh, That's, that's the archetype archetype if i am joe cronin that i think the blazers really need to find out how to get and get it without losing any more first round picks because we've seen what happens to this franchise when they try to acquire role players by paying a premium of that draft capital i think 
I think the contract is very prohibitive for the Blazers. That's number one. But if this was NBA 2K and I can turn trade turn off like financial rules, I don't think we have the perimeter defense that would allow Nerlens Noel to actually be a good enough help side shot blocker. Be meaning when the Knicks were good, Nerlens Noel was out playing Mitchell Robinson. He would play more minutes. He would do good stuff. They traded away a lot of their perimeter defense, got Evan Fournier in return. And then for whatever reason, the Knicks defense suffered because of all the pressure coming towards them. I think that if we had Gary Payton and we were like a top 10 defense, not a bottom 10 defense, sure, Nerlens Noel would help us. But there's going to be just so much penetration that Nerlens Noel and what his skill set is, is just not going to be able to contest the basket. And he's going to look like last year's version of Nerlens. The reason Nerlens got $10 million was because of the one good year with the Knicks when they had perimeter defense. So, I, I, I mean, if that's the best that we can do in the buyout market, because there's no way we can afford him with salary and stuff like that. Sure. If he's willing to be here, I, th- I mean, he's version 1.0 of the bigs that are coming out now with that are super mobile and can defend, you know, that version 1.0 can't shoot, which would make things better, but he would definitely help if we had the, the defense in front of him, but I don't think we do. Yeah. Get, get me uh get me 2017 at Davis and I would be thrilled. It's, it's tough because you, you, you said it, it's like, there's not that many players that are big can rebound and shoot threes. It's usually you have to pick. I don't even need to pick two. I don't. I don't need the player to shoot. Really, I just I need someone to defend and rebound. That for a backup, that's that's all I'm asked. Defend and rebound. I mean, with our second unit, man, I would love some. Uh, you're asking, you're asking way too much. I know. Right? I know. So I get. I mean, I guess I would take the rebounding and and t- and size with this particular team, but. I mean, I just don't think offense will ever be a major issue. I think the defense and the rebounding is, and to an extent, a little bit of the playmaking, something that we're really going to have to hone in on and fine tune if we are to reach our our potential um, in in the Western Conference because defense rebounding travel. Like mm-hmm. Dane can get hot one night, maybe get a little bit chillier the next, but defense and rebounding should always be consistent. And so um, well, that be has a, been a thing for us for a few months now. <laughs> because we, we don't have consistent defenders yeah. or, or rebounders. Like that's just. Uh, Since we had such an amazing start of year, it made ex- expectations rise to a really high level. And now with us kind of regressing to the, what we should have been, it's kind of, it, it's it's kind of hard for us to like think about the first few weeks of the season and be like, oh, we were great. We were the number one team in the league. And then now it's like, oh, you know, we we put we were very inefficient at stuff in the long run. It, like in the long run, we'll be inefficient. But for right now, our inefficiencies aren't that big of a deal. And now the, they 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 have. So I'm it, glad you brought up the beginning of the season because I went back and, and I looked at our notes from our November 13th podcast. And that was when I was, you know, tracking things that Portland was doing well uh, that kind of led them to that nine and four start. 
that was coming off of that six game road trip. The very first one where they surprised Phoenix, they they took okay, out okay. New Orleans. I remember that. So they're sitting at nine and four now. Right now, the Blazers are seventeen and thirteen. So that means they 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 are eight and nine since that road trip. Now now, mind you, Lillard missed seven games during that stretch, and the Blazers have been five and two since his return. So some of these numbers probably play a large role in in Lillard's presence and his absence, and so. What you know, a few things the Blazers were doing really well to start the year is they were getting to the line a lot. They were third in free throws attempted at 26 and a half per game. They've dropped down just a little bit. And again, I think that's a byproduct of Dame missing some time, but they're still top 10. They're number eight, uh, 24.8 attempts per game. And they were elite at making free throws over 20 per game to start the year. They're still in the top 10, the number 10, they've only dropped uh, one less free throw game, just a little over 19. The free I think throw Ant, is it because Ant's actually driving now and and we're kind of passing it to Nurkic because Nurk's getting a lot of free throws. Jeremy it seemed couple, to be like Jeremy had Jeremy a monster and, free throw game yeah. against the Knicks. Uh, I think the, per, the percentage is nearly identical. It was 76. Now it's 77. Uh, pace is nearly identical. And for those that um, might not be familiar with it, pace is the number of possessions a team uses per game. Uh, we're 20, we were 29th at just a little over 97. We're now 27th, again, just a little over 97. In those first few games, you talked about how good we were in fast break points. And I made the argument that eventually it's going to regress. It's still just super same. slow. Nope. Fast break points is nearly identical. We had uh, we averaged fourteen point three, and now we're at fourteen point two. But the, the pa- but pace was my issue. Was it's going to slow down? It's the fast breaks are inefficient. Just a bit. Pace sped up just a smidge. No, because no, no, no. We had this argument. You said we were I, fast I paced. The numbers. We sped up just a little bit. Pace. The first but other teams sped up a lot. Probably. I'm just. Uh, the numbers disagree. We were 29th in pace. At, this is the exact number, no, 97.11. We are now 27th in pace, 97.67. I'm going to find where you are, where you've contradicted yourself. NBA.com slash stats. No, I'm not going to do this. Um, we are actually... So the, the the other couple of opponents. So those were all offensive statistics. I wanted to look at how we were doing defensively. And there was one that stood out, but these, these ones do not like we were number five. We've actually, imp- it's, it's a weird to say we've improved, but the, the numbers differ. So like we were fifth in opponent second chance points, giving up 12 and a half. Now we're 15th, but that number is 13.9. So it's a byproduct of the league. Uh, mm-hmm. allowing more and the biggest thing with the zone i wanted to know if the three-point percentage in attempts would decline or what would they stay static because you know we talked about teams just missing a bevy of open looks so early in the season we were 11th and three-point percentage allowed just over 35 we're now 17th again just over 35 percent um opponents are attempting we're attempting 35 threes a game now that was 21st. They're attempting even more. We're, we're number 13 in opponent three-point field goal attempts. So the only statistic that really 
differed. And I would love your opinion on why this is happening because everything seems so static. To start the year, we were number six in defensive rating at 109.7. That is points allowed per 100 possessions. That has fallen off a cliff. They are now at 23rd in the league. The defensive rating is at 113.6. So Sage, why is all of, why are all of those other statistics pretty much in line, yet the defensive rating is the only one that has fallen off of a cliff? Well, when we're in zone, we don't protect the middle. I mean, that's just something like I think that we're when we go into zone, we're really undisciplined of roles, responsibility, and where people are going to be in those responsibilities. So when we were actually good, we had we kept zone principles and like where everybody's going to be. But now, like when we go into zone, that that place in the driving down the middle for penetration is super like the gap is super wide so like they just go past our zone so i feel like it's the it's it's one we're figuring out how to teams are figuring out how to attack our zone our defenders are getting less they're they're caring about their the the zone concepts a lot less and then three i think we don't help the helper there's times when the penetration happens Nurk has to move up to contest, and then they they die, uh, they do a nice little jump, dump off pass to the person that Nurk was defending. There's no help the helper type of defense, so it leads to a lot of penetration through the middle of the paint. I think o- almost all of our defensive uh, inefficiencies is because we just don't protect the middle of the paint, and and when we try and make you know, adjustments, it just ruins it. I, th- I think that our concepts on protecting that middle of the paint just suck right now. And teams are, I mean, Luke is getting it into the middle, but like even, even Andrew Nemhart was getting in the middle or, you know, whoever, whoever you, whatever guard you think of is getting into the middle and getting buckets. So I, I think that protecting the middle has gotten worse every single game. I feel like the defensive philosophy is it's not all in. And by all in, I mean, like when you say help the helper, I, I I can envision so many plays where I see that and I see the defender. It's like they're too scared to leave their their own man at the three point line and come hard on a double, get to that spot and force another pass out. They're kind of just like taking a step over and putting their arm out, not really doing anything and not really doing anything to stay within shooting distance of their their man in the perimeter either I, I feel like they're just kind of putting their toes in the water instead of just diving in and playing off of off of instinct and, and I don't know if that's defensive philosophy from the coaching staff or or what but I think we would see better slightly better improvement on defense if there was just more play on instinct commit to a movement don't just kind of stand they were, there they're, they're halfway crooks man yeah they don't they're just a no man's land there's that you know, reference you were just do you remember about. do you remember how bad our defense was when Hassan Whiteside was there and his his responsibility was the helping on the defender attack or the offensive player attacking the paint just and, the drop coverage and the barrage of three pointers no yeah. but what i'm thinking about is an exact thing like if Hassan went to help his man scored because 
nobody was there to help him. Nobody rotated over. It's the same shit that's happening now, and now people are thinking that Nurk sucks at defense, but he's not getting the help that he deserves on those plays. When someone has to help, it, they're ha- defenders have to play on a string. And remember when San Antonio was so good defensively because they knew and trusted everybody? There's no trust. There's no, I, I don't think there has been a trust. I was, I was just basically saying I, I think it's also a lack of skill to yeah. go along with trust because it's it's difficult to be an, a solid, even just a solid off ball defender in this in this modern NBA. But I don't think that we communicate either. Like it, it's there's a lack there's a, a skill Has that of that ever been in Portland since Mike Dunleavy in two thousand. Like I don't think Portland. I, I don't know, but there's just so many instances of bad communication between teammates on the defensive end that is getting to the point where they if they don't communicate like I think that like I know that Tara has a thing about pointing and talking the only person that's pointing and talking is is Yusuf Nurkic like the rest of them just are kind of doing their own thing so when you're doing your own thing you if you're not communicating especially in an NBA defensive end it, it, it's you're you're gonna miss out on a lot of the like easy ways to play defense like i i watch i watch elite 2k players play and they do nothing but communicate so isn't it kind of weird that our nba team doesn't really communicate defensively i mean you can be i i don't think that ginobili was locking you up but you can have effort and communicate and that part of defense travels. But I, I just think we're so undisciplined with what we're trying to do. Like I, I really truly believe the only time that we communicated is our summer league championship. The rest of the time, like Josh Hart and justice and all of these players just do their own thing. I mean, not signaling, those guys out as the only bad defenders because our entire team's pretty bad at it. But like they, that everything is easy for the opposing opposing team. If they're smart enough to break a zone or even smart enough to be able to pass it to the, the, the big on a drop off pass, we're in trouble. Our defensive effort has gone down. I, I, I feel like in those first eight games that you mentioned earlier, we, we dedicated ourselves to this. And now because of Dame being injured two times and having an injury issue, Yusuf having an injury issue, it's not the same as it was. The effort and then the execution is just not the same as it was. I mean, if everything else is static between the first eight games and the last whatever, defense is really the only issue. and we're just getting exposed. But do you think that we were because early season, you don't really, we were the team that played zone the most. They took advantage of those teams, not used to the two, three zone in the NBA. Now it's everybody has a zone package. So do you think that the scouting report figured out the zone? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Everything is new in the first month of a season but now you're on the scouting report teams know your tendencies they know 
they know what you like to fall back on. They know what you're likely to pull in, in all the situations. So it's, it's not hard to beat the zone in the, at the NBA level. So it's not going to catch you by surprise once it's been on, been on tape enough. I think Portland just lacks point of attack defenders. I think it all starts. It's like a, a, a ship and you see that crack once that crack happens. And then it's just soon you have, it's taking on water. You need those point of attack defenders to build up that front line. You can't just expect, you can't have Yusuf just back there saying, I'm the only line of defense. No, I think that, that Portland desperately needs Gary Payton the second to get healthy and play a crap ton of minutes and shore up that that initial defense because when you close out a game, you're going to want GP2 on the floor. That's the whole reason they brought him in with their mid-level exception is to come in and cause havoc and make life absolutely miserable for the offensive for the for the opposition. Like it is too easy right now. Portland switches way too easily. You don't, they don't, aside from Shaden Sharp, nobody on the perimeter fights through a screen. Um, there's just, there's not enough. And I think it starts at the top. Again, I'm not singling out Dame or Ant, but neither of them is a average defender on the perimeter um, consistently. You need guys like Gary Payton II to come in and really take away a major option from from the op- from the opposition and then it can kind of trickle on down the line. So GP is like our lockdown corner. Absolutely. So I was thinking about this though. Early season they were attacking Anthony Simons, right? They they were attacking. They're finding him and attacking him. I distinctly remember Jimmy Butler doing it, yeah. him out. Yes. Yeah. But now I'm seeing them attack Justice the same way at the same like the rate and the efficiencies. So like now that teams are realizing ants free, they're testing to see if justice and all the rest of our wings are free. I really, it's, it's not a good situation to be in where teams just can choose who they attack defensively because yet, like I would say the most clutch bucket in the New York Knicks Blazers game was Jalen Brunson posting up Justice Winslow and having a guy my size posting up Justice Winslow seems to be a bad it's it's tough because they, they just can find that mismatch do you think Gary Payton and Gary Payton alone can fix all of these problems nobody can do them oh definitely that but I don't think it's that's, all, that's all I'm asking I think that's all the fans are asking you just want to see improvement because then because then you have the the Keons and the Shadens and then the Sears and the Trendens of the world continuing to get experience and they will be better next year. But they kind of are who they are this year. They'll, they might improve as the season um, progresses, but GP2 is not going to be a savior, just like Robert Covington wasn't the savior. It, it takes, it, it's, it's just, you know, you got to build it brick by brick and that's a pretty fucking big brick that GP2 is in this the structure, he's a foundational piece. So we need him to be de- prime Deion Sanders for this defense in terms and of that's, lockdown. That's what his <laughs> reputation is. And great defenders make life easier for everyone else. Like they set the tone, they communicate, they he will have that freedom. He's a fucking NBA champion. He has that pedigree. 
His dad's one of the greatest perimeter defenders of all time. He's seen how it's done. He has a proven track record. He has the ear of the superstar. He knows what needs to get done. My my concern is, I saw this on a forum, but uh, his nickname right now could be GP Two Weeks because it's always reevaluated in, in two weeks. So that's so not, it, not. I'm not blasting Gary. I'm just saying we continue to hear it's going to be two weeks, and I'm at this point. I'm believing that he'll play this year when I see it. Like the, the expectations are just like. I'm not saying he's going to play by Christmas, New Year's, Valentine's Day, freaking Arbor Day. I don't know. Just hopefully he comes back with enough time to get acclimated for the postseason. And we can't like with how serious his injury is. We have to be pretty protective of Gary Payton with like. I I feel like. For our, our injury, it like our getting players back into the swing of things. They play when they're 100% ready and there's no like giving them a day in the G league. There's no giving them 25 minutes to see how they feel. I feel like you can't do that with Gary Payton with how long his injuries have, have been and like he can't play more than like four or five minutes at a time. Right. We don't know. He's not being uh, made available to the media. That's kind of why it's a bit frustrating is there's just uh, a little bit of a lack of transparency. Like we're kind of all left in the dark. Like what's really going on? Because everything that's listed is just returned to conditioning. So it's not like. He, what was the injury? A core injury. What's that? <laughs> like isn't your core. Probably your big. core so area. I think it was similar. If I'm remembering it correctly i think it was in the similar area to where damien had his abdominal uh, injury as well like honestly my question is can you run with a core injury we've been told how he's been out of shape we've is we've been it? told he's been practicing with the team I, I i don't know that that's why it's unfortunate that we haven't had more information because it just leads to speculation and conspiracy with really out any any merit and it doesn't do anyone did you see that people were referencing your uh your suspicions about the trade you 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 journalist you I mean, no, but influencer it's, it's I'm because I do the DFS thing. I see how other teams do, you know, getting players into game shape. And it's just like, we don't do this. Like it's the Charlotte Hornets and us of once you're healthy, you're playing your full allotment of minutes. Other teams are kind of like, Oh, we're going to put him in for 20, 22, 24, 26, then 30. But I feel like we're just like, oh, he's healthy. He's playing all the minutes. He's been hurt for so long, so you can't afford to do that. And you, he's, he's, he's on a four-year deal. You can't, like this year, kind of shitty for him. You can't make sure, you can't jeopardize those three other years. How did you feel about the outside of the uh, Mavericks game? How did you feel about the rotations this uh, this week in terms of our players? It was a little bit. um, I would say not normal, abnormal, because Jeremy Grant was uh, injured and didn't play. 
against uh, Houston, but I really enjoyed seeing Keon Johnson get extended run in Houston. I liked how the young players played uh, from the midpoint of the third period on. Trended damn near had a triple-double in just over uh, 24 minutes uh, of action. He had uh, 16-11-6 on 5-of-8 shooting uh, with no turnovers. Uh, He was fabulous. Um, Keon had 13 points in in that game. Like the the thing about this season is, I don't I don't trip over a blowout win or a blowout loss. Like I know where my expectations lie, and and they're not frankly very high. Like I just I kind of want to be entertained, and and the people are saying, how can you be entertained when you're being blown out? Well, we're the fifth youngest team in the league. We have we have a lot of players who are going to get better, who are going to improve, make this organization better down the road you have a 2021 first round pick in Keon Johnson you have I believe this the second highest picked player since Greg Oden in in Shaden Sharp um obviously Damian was six and Shaden was seven uh Nasir's hurt but he was a considered a, a lotter he was a pick. blue chip in yeah Carolina. I mean you have then you have Trendon, who was undrafted and won summer league MVP of Jabari Walker who showed a lot in summer league like you have these young, talented players who, frankly, I think they play well together. There is something to be said. There's definitely a chemistry. About that chemistry that you mentioned in Summer League. They talk. They 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 know each other. Um, I loved watching Shaden dunk uh, against uh, the Mavericks. Seeing Greg Brown poster J- JaVale McGee. Like, that, that's fun. Like, the Blazers aren't going to win 60 games this year. They're not going to win the championship. Like, find those fun moments. So to me, when I saw the coaching staff wave the white flag, I was relieved. I was pretty hyped. Yeah. I was like, I can actually enjoy this game because we weren't fucking winning that game. So it was nice that the big dogs got the rest because Lord knows the coaching staff really uh, rides them hard uh, in the regular season. So it was nice to see them get some rest. It was nice to see the young players get some, you know, third quarter, regardless of the score, is meaningful NBA action. This isn't three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like everyone's, you know, hit the concessions or they're on their way to the parking structures. It's, you know, people are still in the arena. Like the game still matters. So mm-hmm. it was great to see them get some playing time. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed what what the coaching staff did there. I, I liked that they trusted Keon Johnson again to play him in against Houston. Um Obviously, I still want to see more more Shaden. That's my favorite reason. Aside, you know, Damon Shaden. Like, I, I want to see what those two do every night. Like, I, I tweeted out, he is must see TV. Like, every time he is on the court, you don't know what he's going to do, and um, it's really fun to watch his his progression. So, um, I, I I didn't think rotations were on my list of things to discuss because, frankly, they, they were all right. Well, we talk about him every week. I feel, even though Trenton did really well, I feel like Jeremy is our most valuable piece because we have guys that can do to a lesser extent what Dame can do, and people can do to a lesser extent what Ant can do, and people can do to an extent of what Josh does. But nobody is that two-way warrior like Jeremy. And Drew Ebanks can play his ass off and yeah, it, we're losing a lot from Yusuf, but to see Trendon put up those stats in a in in a in a game against you know pretty good power forwards, it it, it makes me less scared of a Jeremy Grant injury. 
but I'm still very ter- terrified of a Jeremy Grant injury because oh, if, he if just Jeremy, does so much. If Jeremy or Yusuf go down for a significant time, I, I think we would be in a heap of heap of trouble. My question for you is, do you project Watford as a power forward or do you think he needs to be a small ball center and play with more spacing? Because the, the one thing I would say when Trenton is out there and he's not looking for his three-point shot – it does feel he's like it, ruined spacing. Not no, it's not just him because oh, Nurk, he, he's, he's, a, he, he, he's a big culprit of bad spacing. I think he needs to be a small. And I think you need to call out Drew Eubanks and Yusuf. But I, I think it's just. And just I mean, I, you you know, I call out bad spacing when I see it. Um, so you think he needs to? He's be, a he's a small ball five. He and okay. Yusuf can't play a single minute together. Like in my perfect NBA 2K world, where there is no injuries, I. I there's a rule in place for Yusuf and 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 uh and uh Trendon just don't play together. But uh, yeah, I think that in a perfect world, Trendon's going to be us uh, would be a small ball five because of injuries and you know COVID potentially. Like there's going to be times where he plays the four, but I think like he's a small ball five that has you know some playmaking responsibilities. What so with this being our Christmas episode, you could ask Santa for one wish. Realistically, though, it's like you can't get Luca or Giannis. Oh, that would have made, made things so much easier. Give me somebody. I mean, it could be a good player, but it has to be, you know, there's some criteria. The team's probably looking to sell. You don't have to tell me who Portland gives up, just ideally, who would you add to this roster? Like who who elevates this team where you're like, if Portland does go for it, that's the guy they should they should target. I'm tr- that's a very good question. Do you I have one? the first player that popped into my mind? And I would love this if the Toronto Raptors <clears throat> did a fire sale. I would try and find pa- a home in Portland for Pascal Siakam. Oh, I did. I, I don't even like that's that's too. The, I was like, is he but, thinking so like the criteria? He's not a super duper star. He's a fringe all star. And Toronto could sell. Like, it's not like I'm going after Tyrese Halliburton. Indiana's not selling right now. So it's just like. Oh, because in my mind, I was like, are you talking about Sadiq Bey? Because <laughs> he's I, legitimately on the block. Yeah. I, I would love to get Isaiah Stewart or Sadiq Bey from, from Detroit. I would love Bogot, uh, Bogdanovich. He's been fucking killing it without Kate Cunningham. I mean, if you're if we're going to the Pascal Siakam level, shit. All right, so let's just say Pascal Siakam. What is Jeremy moving down? Is Jeremy defending threes now? It's on a night by night basis. I mean, some team could have a three that he's better at at defending, or you could sick Josh Hart or GP two on that three, and you could go super small. So, is Yusuf in this imagination getting traded? Okay. No, no, no. Because no. I, was, I was trying to I figure know. out, like, no, there's, there's no one I don't foresee. Like, I, I just, I, I like the playmaking big who is. Can... Would he be our five if we traded Yusuf? Ideally, I would love to keep Yusuf because I don't think he makes a lot of sense. Like, I don't want to get. I know, I know, I know, but like, I don't want to get. In. I'm just saying, I like the idea of big players at positions. Like, you would be big at the three and the four. 
And you could also go small and, and play Jeremy and Pascal at the four and the five. And you've got versatile defender in Hart and GP2. And they could like there's just I, I love versatile players where you can do a bunch of different things with them. He's got the championship experience. He can be a go-to scorer. He can handle the ball. Like how he is in Toronto is kind of how I want to see Portland utilize Jeremy a little bit more, give him a little bit more responsibility. Ooh. Damn, you're paying a guy. Is that no? You're paying a guy 25 mil, and he's probably going to want to get more, and he wants to be an all star. I'm just, I, I need a little bit more, and that's where I, how I think you can get Jeremy. Um, not saying he's the number one option. Dame's the number one option. Ant could be even the number two option. But you did can you set- see? How, okay, how many Toronto Raptors games have you watched this year? I know I watched the Blazers, bro. Okay, I just know he's doing good, and I've seen him play before. No, 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 no. He's like fucking savagely doing good. I know he is. That's why. But he's like, no, 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 no. List. He's so good. Fred Van Fleet handles his ball as much as fucking Josh Hart. Like that's how good he is right now. So if we could, like, fuck, like I have my dream stage. This was supposed to be a fun question. I want Shea Gildas Alexander then, bro. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would do a lot of dirty things for for SGA in a Dame backcourt. Give me Brandon Ingram. Like, <laughs> no, the Pelicans ain't selling. So I know, but I would Shea, take Shea, Shea though. Shea would have been an acceptable answer because who the fuck knows what direction the Thunder or well, Mark Dagnall is gonna? He's already fucked with his rotations once. He's going to do it again. They don't really want, like want to win, and Shea's so good that teams are gonna. Because I was thinking we were gonna have to have the like Sadiq Bay Bo. Bogdan. No, this is, no, that's that's too basic. We're going big. Okay. But not like, like, I was like <laughs> not Giannis. Like obviously not Giannis. Or any team that has deep playoff aspirations. And I don't think Toronto does right now. And I, I, I was thinking uh Franz Va- Franz Wagner would be Wagner? a nice yeah. The, the the good Wagner brother, not the bad one. Yeah. Cause he, he can do he's tall, has playmaking defense. And Orlando already has Paolo and Bo Bull. Bo Bull's been fucking fun, bro. Go Ducks. What? Uh, shit. <laughs> Let's just have fun talking about. <laughs> I wouldn't mind uh, Wendell Carter. I would. Yeah. See, I think those pieces to bolster a bench, I think, really can get Portland where they want to go. Like, Would I think you take they- on Yekka Conwell? He's. He's six eight. Who? Onyeka. Akama. Oh, I, I thought you said Neka Ogumake, and I'm like, no. She plays for the Sparks in the WNBA. Oh, Onyeka. Uh, yeah, I, I would. I, I don't think Atlanta is moving him though. I think they view him. I think they'll get rid of Clint before they get rid of Onyeka or John. And I I don't want John Collins. I, I don't think he fits. If we needed offense, he would be fucking Ooh, awesome. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I take Clint. Yeah, Chicago's another team to keep an eye on. A little bit older roster. You want Dre Drummond? <laughs> you know what, dude? I would love him on the bench. Like in that Houston game, you, we were getting murdered on the glass. So yeah, if if he's your fifteenth, if Boban or Dre Drummond is your fifteenth player, and he they come in just to fucking rebound and be big for five minutes in a spurt, yes. You know my favorite, like thing in fantasy sports for basketball is the paint shot missed 
rebound, paint shot, missed, rebound, paint shot, missed, rebound, score. All by Dre Drummond in like two minutes. It's like, oh, that's 10 points of just absolute nothing, but it it helps. <laughs> I mean, Dre Drummond would be a, I mean, he's a better backup than Drew Eubanks. But yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely, the, 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 the shitty thing is, like, we can't even think about Dre Drummond or Sadiq Bey or anything with our current, you know, roster. But if we had flexibility, this team is good. It's just we don't. <laughs> yeah. The first thing I think would be they got to get rid of that protection to Chicago. If you really want to make a move at the deadline, you have to free up future first round picks. And again, make sure you're trading those future picks. For, I would say, star caliber, all-star fringe caliber players, at least, like, no more Larry Nance, Robert Covington, Zach Collins of the world. Those players aren't going to get it done, and they're not bringing you value for what a first-round pick can can be. Like, a lot of these players we're talking about, Sage, we could have had Isaiah Stewart, and we could have had Sadiq Bey. Fuck, we drafted Isaiah Stewart for the D- Detroit Pistons in that we were wrong about that. trade. Yeah, we're, yes. wrong, we're wrong about beefs, too. Because he developed a three-point shot, which I didn't... And- it's hard to really figure out if they're good or not in a zone. And that's, you just lose so much flexibility when you go after these role players and you're throwing first round picks at them. You know, it's so. crazy. All right. We traded a first round pick for Larry Nance. He plays Don't 24 minutes me. a game. Don't remind me. We play, we traded two for Robert Covington. He probably plays like 14 minutes a game for a good team. Think about it. We traded like legitimate assets for rotation players on playoff teams that are, you know, Larry Nance will finish games because Jonas isn't, you know, there's not that many players Jonas can defend. So, like, we we traded Sadiq Bey or, you know, Desmond Bain for a guy that's not getting real rotation minutes on the Clippers. I, I, I don't mean to hurt you a few days before Christmas. That's my fault. Hurt me? Why? Bringing up Robert Covington trade and bringing uh, up Larry yeah, I, I've made peace with those moves. Honestly, if if Portland had handled business in the draft and not spent five first round picks in those three players, I think they would be championship caliber. And that's a, that's the tough pill to swallow with the talent that was available and who they had worked out. That's that's a really tough pill to swallow. But that's why you don't mess up the draft, and that's why you don't just take it for granted. But I digress. Let's Have you watched on. any college basketball besides Oregon? I haven't watched any, hardly any. I am a college football NBA Blazers guy right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt myself in March, but I'm a Illinois fan. <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna fuck me over. But I really like watching, uh, watching Illinois play basketball. Anyway. Let's get into the week that will be. We both went a perfect 3-0 and last week. We predicted two wins and the loss over Dallas. Uh, with Christmas falling on Sunday, we will not record on Sunday, so we will project. You'll probably have a so, kid. <laughs> we, that's right. We will also project the Charlotte game. So the upcoming games. Uh, back-to-back in Oklahoma City on the 19th and 21st. And then to round out the road trip, they go to the Mile High City to face the Denver Nuggets for the third time this year on the 23rd. And then on Monday, they come back home to face the uh, lowly Charlotte Hornets on the 26th. 
For the standings, I am 20 and 10. You were 21 and 9. Still that one game difference. Uh, let's talk about this Oklahoma City Thunder uh, kind of mini series, Sage. In the, It's more about to talk about who is actually going to be out for the Thunder rather than who's going to be in because that injury list for OKC is substantial. You we're know, talking, it, it's weird. Like, we're Oklahoma talking City. No, no Giddy, no Baisley, no Chet, no SGA. Uh, it's there is a litany of players who are going to be suited. You know, it's it's weird because I feel like Orlando and Oklahoma City just have so many more players on their bench than other teams. Like, you know, Shea can be out, but Trey Mann's right there and he's good. Like, and Trey I feel Mann's like they out. just have better roster spots than us, or more roster spots than us. Trey Mann is also out. Oh. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is also that out. Doesn't matter. Uh, Jalen Williams, uh, the Arkansas Jalen Williams, Asian Jalen is out. Yeah. Um, Uzman Jang is also out. I mean, my God, is like, he G League or is he out? Out. Jalen Williams is G League. Uzman is right wrist injury. You can they can bring Asian Jalen back though. He is listed as out for this game. Okay. All of those players are listed not playing Monday. So, it, uh, Pick and roll Jalen's there, though. Sure. Lou Dort. And then Poku's playing. You know what sucks about, because in DFS, you have to, like, the way to win in DFS is numbers. So you have to calculate minute. Like, you have to say what they're going to play in a in a specific game. Poku is the most difficult motherfucker to project minutes for because Dagnall fucks with his minutes so bad. So he can either play six or 26. So they they can they can have a really lowly roster like they do now, and then Poku could only play fifteen fucking minutes. I mean, I, Jalen Williams, uh, Santa Clara Jalen, he's had some really nice moments in his rookie year. So I would imagine since Trey's out, uh, Shea Gildress and Giddy's out, he's going to be their main point guard. Cause yeah, cause I think it. Is it Ty Jerome is the other guy that they, they could potentially have? Like, you're asking me to dig into the bag of the OKC roster, and I just I just can't. I think it's Jalen Williams, Ty Jerome, Poku. Uh, shit. Who he? Uh, he's the white boy that played on Atlanta and o- o- OKC for a while. He was Mike on the Shala. Yep. There you go. Hey, I, I know I not know Mike Michelle's name right now, but I know what school he went to, the conference that it was in, and then the teams that he was on. And then I, shit. they did beat the Grizzlies by six with a lot of those same players out at home. So clearly Portland cannot take them uh, lightly. They started former Oregon Duck uh, Eugene Omaruri um, and Isaiah Joe in that game. Isaiah Joe gave him 23 points. Arkansas got- jo- Isaiah Joe. He can shoot. He was the they best got double, in the class. They got double figures from Ken, uh, Kenrick Williams. Kenny Hustle. And uh, Aaron Wiggins. But Did um, you see Rudy Gobert fucking uh, yes. yeah, trip Kenny Hustle? Yeah. That's scumbag. I the, love that. These are two games that Portland absolutely has to have. Uh, I they, they cannot get caught slipping here. You're not going to. You're not going to get two more winnable games. Um, Portland has the the most road wins in the Western Conference, the second most road wins in the entire NBA. Damian Lillard is only 21 points away from passing Clyde Drexler as the number one um, 
scoring player in franchise history. Again, shout out to uh, Sheriff of PDX on Twitter for the countdown. Um, he's who I follow to to know how close Dame is going to be to uh, finally reach the top of that mountain. Um, I think Portland wins both. I think it just comes down to showing up and wanting to play. Uh, and they showed me they're capable of doing that. They, they had a little bit of a lapse in that third quarter against San Antonio with the turnovers. Um, and they defended the three really well against against Houston. And then they really just kind of asserted their dominance in that third quarter um, and, and ran away with that one in Houston. So, so far this year, you know, knock on wood, they haven't had a game where they lost on the road to a subpar opponent that you're like, they gave that one away. Now they've done that at home to Denver and Los Angeles. Those teams are more certified, Legit. household, legitimate mm-hmm. I haven't seen them stumble, uh, and I don't think it starts on this road trip. I think they come away with with two big two wins, um, and I think I think Dame's obviously going to be the story in the first one, getting more than twenty one, and then I think I think they might be able to continue to rest Jeremy Grant, and I I would love to see Trendon continue that um, momentum that he got from Dallas, and he played oh, really man. well against Houston as well. Could you imagine Yusuf Nurkic defending Poku? That's going to be funny. Just as imagine a, Poku defending Yusuf Nurkic. The aesthetics of those two humans next to each other is going to be pretty fucking funny. Now, I'm just looking at this roster of OKC, and like I know every single person except Eugene Omanyuri. Go Ducks. I know. I looked, I was like, oh, then Dustin obviously knows who he is. But then I looked at it, I was like, okay, I know who Lindy Waters is. I know who this is. I know who that is. And I was like, oh, he. he he played 16 minutes and started. I mean, if a legitimate NBA fan can name four players of this team, go good shit them because this is a bunch of no names. But these no names absolutely can play, so you can't take it too lightly. But I'm predicting two and zero. And then Portland closes out the road trip. They had an opportunity the first six game road trip of the year to end on a high. They gave away that game to Dallas. They have another opportunity uh, if they were to handle business in Oklahoma City to get five wins on this six-game trip. They're facing the Denver Nuggets. I think they're going to have a sour taste in their mouth for how that game uh, about a week and a half ago went where they blew a 10-point fourth-quarter lead. Uh, Denver will be without Michael Porter Jr. There is no time frame on his recovery, according to basketball reference, with that heel injury. Uh, They are on a homestand through the holidays. They play Tuesday against Memphis, but then they don't play until Friday. So there is a gap there where Portland might be able to sneak in um, and and sting them a bit. So I anticipate this one being another classic, especially with, with MPJ out. I would hope Jeremy is able to return in time for this one. Uh, I am really anticipating this this one. Uh, between the two divisional foes. And this could really come down to whether or not Portland is able to at least tie the season series because it's 1-1 right now. You know you're not sweeping in Denver. They got to pick up at least one in the Mile High City. Um, clearly, you this is a good time to do it because they might have MPJ that next game. Um, Jokic went absolutely nuclear tonight in Charlotte or against Charlotte at home. Oh, I yeah. I mean, that, points, that's what Charlotte does. 27 rebounds and 10 assists. Uh, he gave Portland the biz uh, a week and a half ago. But as I mentioned last week, that game turned when Yusuf Nurkic picked up yeah. those three fouls in that third quarter. 
Nurkic was matching him production for production mm-hmm. minus the assists, but he was holding more than his own. That to me is the key when you're playing Jokic. Nurkic just actually has the body mass to kind of push Jokic. Uh, they, they were teammates too, so they sort of know each other. Drew Eubanks both, says that they're, like they're both from you know close proximity uh-huh. countries in Europe. Like, yeah, they're definitely they're, they're familiar. So my, my key is Nurk. How can Portland get him involved and make Jokic play both ends of the floor? I would honestly say that DeAndre Jordan's old ass outplayed Drew Eubanks. So I think both of our centers need to at least Yusuf can challenge him. Drew has to outplay DeAndre Jordan because DeAndre Jordan looked like he was an NBA player. And all of the statistics that I've ever looked at say DeAndre Jordan sucks. So I think both of our centers have to look at that matchup and for Yusuf match and for Drew overtake what uh, DeAndre Jordan did. I mean, this is a pretty damn important game in terms of, you know, tiebreakers in the playoffs and it's in Denver, right? Yes. I'm going to go with the Portland loss. Unfortunately, I think that, I think that Jokic is pretty damn good. And, and, uh, you know, his teammates are only getting better, but Jokic is now, you know, two weeks ago, I said that he's regressing in terms of like what he's doing. Now he's back to MVP Jokic. So with a better teammates around him and him playing at such a high level, I'm going, I'm going Denver for this victory. Yeah, I I do think Portland can win this one. I think it will oh, be yeah. close. The two arenas I'll never predict Portland to win in are Dallas and Denver. Just modern history is is against them in those two venues for whatever reason uh, you you can think of. I think Dame will be able to carry Portland, but um, Denver's just a different beast with with that altitude. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, yeah, I have Denver winning winning that one, but. Portland does get to come home the day after Christmas and their, their late Christmas present is a date with the, the bottom feeding uh, Charlotte Hornets seven and 23 on the season. They are owners of the league's worst record. They have lost eight in a row. Um, It is a team Portland handled uh, back all the way. I'm just looking at this was drew you, this was not a use of Nurkic uh, day against them. I think Drew Eubanks was a starting center against them. And I believe Jeremy Grant did not play in that contest as well. Yes. Back on November 9th, Portland won 105 95. Um, I remember Shaden had a big performance, had 17. Dame had 26. Anthony had 19. Um, but yeah, Justice Winslow and Drew Eubanks started that contest. And I thought Portland uh, did, did really well. Obviously, LaMelo Ball didn't play. He has now returned, but the, the he Hornets only, he have, plays limited minutes, though. The Hornets have a litany of issues, both both on and off the the court, stemming from this this off season. Um, and clearly, they're they're not interested. I think in playing competitive basketball. Um, so I think if you really assert yourself early, they will fold. Now they are professional, so if you let them hang around, they'll, they'll do that. Lamelo um, and Terry are good players. 
So it's going to be hard. It's not only the day after Christmas, but it's the first game back from a road trip. And then Portland, it's not staying home. It's just like a quick stop. So I anticipate a sluggish performance out of Portland, much kind of like how they played in Charlotte, where the Hornets had multiple 10-point leads in that game. But we have Damian Lillard. They don't. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, and Portland gets it done. No, you know who's going to dominate this game? Yusuf fucking Nurkic. He's going to East Bay funk dunk on these fucking awful ass Hornet centers. They're the worst team at defending centers. I'm putting the, yo, this is the game. This is the use of Nurkic game right here. I'm predicting it. He's windmill slamming. Use of Nurkic is going to body him. Like, I ain't scared of, I am not scared of Mark Williams, man. Use of Nurkic is going to destroy. They play at a fast pace. LaMelo Ball fucking cannot keep his hands to himself. Dame's going to pick up so many free throws with this uh, awful team that does not have any discipline. And Yusuf Nurkic is going to put a vintage uh, Nurk game on them. So I I, I got to shout out my bigs on this one. I think they're going to dominate. All right. That's that. That'll about do it for this episode of Holy Backboard Sage. A lot of listeners know where they can find us. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Himalaya Podcast. Everywhere where you get your listen to your podcast, we are there. Leave us a good review and, uh, you know, say say something nice to Dustin about uh, all of his future endeavors. I'm very proud of him. He's handling this uh, this pregnancy with class and actually teaching me about the human body. So uh, shout out to Oregon uh, Public Schools. I don't know that much, but uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Happy holidays. Stay safe and enjoy your time with your family. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.